In this session, we ask the question, to fudge or not to fudge? I really like peanut butter fudge. That is not the fudging question. Join our adventure party as we delve into the social and cultural aspects of our favorite game, all while enlightening our taste buds with a random craft beer. So crack open your favorite bardic inspiration and roll initiative with us of Dice and Brews. So here's what I'm thinking. If you had a million dollars, now, Ben, I know that you're not really a car guy and that's fine. But if you had a million dollars to buy cars or a car, what would you buy? Okay. Um, is there stipulations to this million dollars? It has to be a, to a car? You have to pay taxes on it. <laughs> yeah, you probably have to pay taxes. That's probably a good point. But is it? But is it? You have to spend a million dollars on a car or you have to spend the million dollars on cars. Okay. If it's a single car or multiple cars, I don't care. I'm going so, with the 2021 Dodge Caravan, fully loaded. See you how I would do it? Because, <laughs> like, I like, I love cars. I, I love cars, but I, I'm also a, uh, uh, you know, function type person. I, I don't need a ton of cars or a fancy million dollar car. So I'd probably buy like a million dollar, million dollars worth of Corvettes. Okay. Because I could probably get them at a really good price, buying them in bulk. <laughs> And then selling them all? <laughs> and then turning around and selling them all for cash and okay, let me, then I have a million dollars. <laughs> let me get us started, okay? My thought was I would, work I would like, like a 70 or a 71 Chevy C10 fully restored. You act like I know what that is. Well, you're not going to know what that is, but I, I think John would know what that is. Or even like a 56 or 57 Chevy Nomad. That'd be pretty cool. Blue? Like light baby blue? Uh, You know, for some Your reason- Your C10 I'm, would have to be brown. No, the C10, I've already got- got this figured out it's the two-tone you know how they do the you know white on top oh color yeah, on bottom. yeah my thought would be like that that white on top and that almost like desaturated like almost pastel yellow it just every time i've seen it i'm like wow that's a great looking truck and it's it's functional somehow there's a surfboard in there because like no i wouldn't no, I think, put a surfboard think, in it oh, so so why don't you just do like the the volkswagen old school volkswagen bus fully restored oh, that, and then that's chop one of them and then chop like another one in half and make a trailer out of it I have seen that and it's pretty cool, but that's not what, no, I would, with a million dollars, I'd have the money to do both. With a million dollars, can I just buy a car uh, dealership and then resell oh. the cars, all of them? I think car dealerships cost a lot more than a million dollars. A million dollars really isn't that much money. No, see- Can no, I finance the rest? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> See, it, actually, like if I was going to really think about this, I don't even think a million dollars would get the car I want. Well, you it have would a family, be, so it'd have to be bigger than a two-seater. Oh, no, it'd only be a two-seater. It doesn't even have a roof. Uh, It, it would have to be a, a true numbered AC Cobra. I want. Yeah. I would want okay. to show That's Can my all-time favorite, but I don't think a million dollars would buy me one. Yeah, I don't think a million dollars would buy Dukes of Hazard's car, the, the Charger, I'll Challenger, the whatever it is. Fuck it. Let me like go it. all out. Let me take a million dollars towards the Batmobile. <laughs> well, okay. The 89. Here's what got me thinking about this, is I was, I was looking on the internet. There's this website that I go to that has a bunch of really cool guy stuff, right? And is there, they, is there whiskey on this website as well? Yes, there yeah. is. Well, Ben's all the, about that and, conversation. And flashlights. Yeah. Can we talk about that? And just cool stuff. Flashlights? I don't know why, but I think it, most guys are like, how many lumens does your flashlight have? <laughs> Every time I go to the auto parts store, I stop and stare at the flashlight. Little The little uh, the, end the, cap? the end cap of flashlights and pocket knives. Yeah, because you never know. 
when you're going to need one. Look at that. All it I need flips is an, out and it's got a, it could strip cable too. All I need is an Ulfa <laughs> knife and a fucking utility knife. That's it. Okay. But what got me thinking about this was on this website, they were posting about the fact that the 1979 uh, A-Team van is going up for auction. And maybe it's already sold. But and the like, current bid's like a million dollars? And you want it. I don't know. But like, dude, this thing's got like a mounted turret in the back. To- okay, so hold on. Like, uh, the only thing in my mind that I can picture the A-Team being like would be like the turtle van from the series, the 1990 series, where like Leonardo is on the fucking like the swing out wall with the fucking the sit down rocket launcher. Like now if they had the turtle van up for auction, I'm down. No, Shell. It's, it's the turtle A-Team van. Yeah, but you know what? I'm. Uh, I, you want the turtle van. That's fine. I get yeah, that. Yeah, bro. And if it comes with a theme song as the horn. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, hold on. I think this goes into a different topic that See, is I, equally important. Out of the three original uh, live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies, which one is the best? I which one's seen the best any movie? of them. Yeah. Well, they, they never had a turtle van in any of them. No, I know that. But you got me thinking about the fact that like the live action Number ones, two, Secret of the Use. Yeah. Hands down. I think as a kid, though, I liked number three the most. Oh, the, oh I forgot about man. the old ones. No way. Yeah. Oh, those are amazing. I loved them. Yeah, I don't. I don't the I second don't one was the best one. anymore. I haven't yeah, seen. Do. Isn't there two? Yeah. Stop. Go ninja. Go ninja. Go. Go ninja. Go ninja. Go. <laughs> there's it's, two it's, new ones though, right? Well, there's. What do you mean new? Like, well, like within the past ten years. I don't think there's a live action one. Yeah, I think. Well, they're, they're like live action CGI. I think there's a CGI one which is really good. The TMNT one. I haven't okay. seen. I haven't. Seen yeah, it. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. But I, I think we've gone way too far down this rabbit hole. We went from we we literally went from fantasy million dollar dream cars to teenage. To live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the same conversation. And that's how conversations work. Welcome to a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. If you're having a hard time following along, maybe you just need to have another... uh... Bardic Inspiration? Exactly. All right. On that note, um, I want to bring up something to our audience, if we have one by this time. (laughs) But uh, we will be delving into the video aspect of our little uh, threesome here. For lack of a better term. We should call it that. (laughs) Or triad. There you go. well, that, yeah. that could be some problem too. Okay. But um, we will adventuring be, uh, party, yeah, adventuring <laughs> of our D and D group. <laughs> And we will be um, uh, kind of like a brand new DM series or or current DM, but we will be um, telling you or videotaping uh, how to um, run your monsters and then how to put paint on them quickly so they're tabletop ready. Fast, um, be slap co- some paint on and tactics on running the monster. That's right. So we'll, we'll be posting a video series once a month called Monsters and Minis. Um, I really like this idea because, you know, for me, as an aspiring miniature painter, I always find that the hardest part of putting paint on minis is deciding like color schemes how many colors is too much to use and then realizing that you know what people are only going to see these minis from two feet away it's not like they're going to be right up on them the whole time so a quick quality functional paint job is all you need two to three colors is all you need so we're going to show you how to do that and achieve that the best way possible as simple as possible to get these miniatures on your table for your players to and you to enjoy so you don't stress it yeah that's I, right. as a as somebody's learning and just starting into my de- uh, mini painting <sighs> color scheme man i just did one the other night and in my head i had a brown like color scheme no it was like a it's like a clericky and i was like i never do white and i'm gonna do like white and blue oh what a mistake oh brown. my god i got it done and i'm like it just looks terrible i can't stand the color scheme did you just slap some agrax earth shade onto it and call it a day <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably strip it down and redo it. Good call. It's also I think it's also not a high quality printed mini, so like half the body has like almost no detail. So I like kind of lose like what 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 is yeah, this? So based upon this series, like I'm gonna we're gonna cover and it's gonna be the three of us, and we're gonna cover priming techniques, how to how to get the best priming techniques you can at a, at a minimal budget, and then we're gonna teach you how to run these monsters. Like because in my mind, as a DM, like you you go through these encounters and you're planning these encounters for your for your people and you're thinking about oh which monsters did i want to use but you never really dive into the lore or how monsters react to players you know what i mean it doesn't so combat really doesn't end up feeling organic because people don't realize that that monsters have feelings too yeah you know what i mean so if if their moral is is let's say you got a group of goblins and they're going up against five players and you got eight goblins if they lose six of those goblins they're you know, out they're out but they're- always as dms because it kind of gets lost in the shovel with everything else that you have to 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 maintain is that those goblins should have ran away you know what i mean so just bringing that to the attention of newer dms or current dms that maybe don't put enough thought into that i think this will be a good series for us oh yeah Plus, that, on top of that, it'll be video, so now you can equate a face from us with a voice, and we can get to know you on another platform using the YouTube moniker. Yeah. I yeah. think the biggest one that comes to mind for me is, is like, there's so often this tendency, like, if you if you down one of your, your PCs, that your who, your monster is just going to go to somebody else. Well, in the world of D&D, your NPC, your monster is going to know, like, they're unconscious, but they could still be a threat. See, Andy, I think that's where the topic of today kind of fits into this whole, whole thing is fudging or not fudging just because sometimes as a dm you just have to was it what's it like um look the other way what's the what's the phrase for that um turn a blind eye yeah, you know yeah. i mean kind of yeah. ignore the obvious almost yeah so based upon that so we're announcing a new video series once a month we're not going to try to to make this too strenuous on ourselves as as it already is but i mean if you guys like it and enjoy it by all means we'll we'll definitely produce more or expand on the idea but we had an idea for a short video series and this is what we're going to do with it it's kind of our um homage to the technical side of D since our podcasts are very laid back and yeah socially interactive as opposed to yeah. mainstream technical technical things i'm um, speaking of new dms i do want to bring attention to a dm resource that i think is absolutely phenomenal Mm -hmm. and that's dungeon influence yeah dungeon influence on instagram you can you can find him or them i don't know if it's a him or them but or even a her i'm sorry i apologize but they are a daily resource for dms that have any kind of writer's block or anything like that. They release a daily NPC with a whole written out background for you that you can plug and play into your game. They do uh, story hooks. They do random little DM tips. They have a, a free um, supplement for zero sessions, the zero session checklist yeah. on drive through RPG that I think is phenomenal. So if you are an aspiring DM and just getting into this game, check out at Dungeon Influence on Instagram or Dungeon Influence Zero Session Checklist on uh, DriveThruRPG.com and get this checklist. Anybody that runs as a DM should get this checklist because it will give you exactly what we've talked about in previous sessions where your players' expectations, your expectations, it will give you the rundown of what a zero session should look like. So I just wanted to throw that out there because new DMs and current DMs should use this as running their zero session or if you have story block or campaign block or anything like that check out these guys tips because some of them are absolutely phenomenal yeah one of the other ones that i would like to highlight is D speak um on 
Instagram as well. They have tons of tables for you to roll. Uh, just some of them are like alternate campaign sites, um, roadside encounters, just all kinds of these like different things. And they're, they're constantly bringing out that stuff. And it's what's great about it is if you got something coming up and you're like, crap, I want this to be different. You just pull it up really quick, roll it, and off you go, and nobody knows the wiser. Well, and here's the thing is, as a DM, you should know that it's okay to steal from other people. Oh, yeah. Like, you should know that that you can take other things that you've seen from movies, novels, anything, and reskin them or tweak them just a little bit and make it your own. That's what I do. That's, that's You have to. I mean, because there's no original ideas left in the freaking world. I think world. Every, pretty much yeah. every single one of my characters has been a character from a book I've read. Right. And I, this is... It's... It's amazing what, based upon context, like dropping your favorite character from a novel or dropping your favorite scene from a movie into a different context will change it completely. completely. Although you are the one that knows where that came from, nobody else will know at all. Yeah. Especially if they're already involved and immersed. Well, that's that's you know, that's kind of my point. It's like if, if they're already in it, they don't have time to think about, hey, I remember that. Well, they're thinking that. about their character. Yeah. You know, well, and a lot of times what I've experienced too is, is that if they recognize... Like, hey, this is a lot like, you know, the, the fellowship fleeing across the br- bridge of Khazadun, you know. This is really cool. They yeah. they don't they don't go on you because you're doing it. It's more like it's yeah, more like who didn't oh, wanna, this is really cool. Yeah, who didn't want to do that? Like who didn't picture their adventure party running across that fucking bridge? Pretty much, if, if you play D anD D and you've watched Lord of the Rings numerous times, you want that scenario. All Absolutely. The time. Not you only want you want that to happen. Not to your only party. you want that scenario, you want to run down those fucking steps too. Oh yeah. Who oh, yeah. ever didn't want to play an encounter on that step on those steps? <laughs> I think I think everybody's yeah. just gonna be like who, who gets to who gets to be Gandalf and yeah somebody just wants to shout you shall not pass <laughs> that might be copyrighted <laughs> flatulence <Nah. laughs> uh, speaking of flatulence actually whoa uh, I just bought these books a fart. No, these books. This is this is a, a really cool book. Andy, we series. might have bought the same book that I just showed John. It's if, if the it, Fart Quest. Yes. Yeah. I they just got delivered today. I haven't had a chance to actually look at them yet. It's amazing. But they. I read two chapters to Emma, and she's like absolutely in love. And Emma's my three year old. So yeah, they look so cool. I bought them. For and there's Ben's family. My my fiance's uh, nephews. They're uh, Lincoln will be six, and then Sully is younger, and Archie. They're all young kids a little boys but you know bringing up like fart quest they're like oh heck yeah and i got to show lincoln the other day like one of the little minis that i painted and he was just enthralled and so i took one of the the i took a couple misprints that you had and i, I took those the last time i was here and i'm gonna sit down and he can paint those and i'll paint the other things yeah that's exactly be- what did, i did do you tell ben you took them yeah, yeah he but that's what <laughs> well, I, do. I dug him out of the trash so i don't really think ben cares <laughs> that's what i do and that's another reason why i think he lives in the alley yeah yeah <laughs> but anyway yeah i do that with them all the time like every time i sit down to paint miniatures she always finds me and she's like i want to paint too so she gets the big old brush yep and she gets the big old misprint miniature and she just paints away where are these works of art she she has a, a shelf in her room of oh, okay them. yeah okay, she, cool. of course like any good artist she wants to display them and they don't hang on the refrigerator with magnets yeah no, so we, we had to have a oh, shelf man all right 
So slightly off topic, but it has so, anything to do with mini or magnets and refrigerators? Not no, it has topic. to do with children's art. So my my, topic. my five-year-old, she was uh, watching a YouTube video on how to draw some something. I, I I didn't know what it was. She was just you know watching, and she has her 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 colored pencils and a piece of paper, and she's at the the kitchen counter for like thirty minutes doing this drawing, and then she comes out and it's folded in three, but like like the like when you'd fold a a dollar bill to make George Washington's face disappear. You know, it was folded like that. And she's like, oh, look at this. It's a pretty cupcake. And then she opens it up and it's got all these teeth and a nasty tongue sticking out. And she's like, and it's a cupcake monster. Mimic? Cupcake? Yeah, she made a mimic cupcake pretty much. And, and I was just so amazed at my five-year-old just followed these instructions to a T, folded it correctly, did everything right. I was like, man, I, I, a little proud dad isn't, moment. Isn't that what we're hoping for with this video series though? Like, hey, look, <laughs> just follow these instructions and your combats and your monsters will come to life. Yeah. Okay, but <laughs> let's, let's be clear. Is there not, I mean, is there anything... Better than a cupcake minute? It feels better than when a young kid or even child or toddler thinks what we do is cool. Oh, yeah. It makes you feel pretty great. But at, at the same time, I think that that's, that's emulated by us to them. Because anytime that a toddler or a little kid or anything like that comes up to me with any random piece of a, like toy or anything like that or tells me a story, I'm just like enthralled by the amount of imagination and pure freaking innocence that, that gets spoken. And like they breathe um, life into these inanimate objects or stuffed animals and everything has a name and everything has a place. You know what I mean? And it fits in their own little world. And just to tap into that resource and be like, I just wish I could see what's going on in your mind. Like when you're playing your toys and you have this whole little thing going on and you're having conversations with yourself, I'm just like, wow, that would be a D&D podcast worth listening to. Oh yeah. I Listening, I mean, my kids are getting a little bit older, but uh, still at five, the the, <laughs> the stories and imagination that, that my, my daughter comes up with is, like you said, it's just, it, it's enthralling. I, I, get, I get sucked in. I'm like, yeah, tell me, this makes no sense. But I'm still listening. While he's got his notebook taking notes for his next TV <laughs> campaign. What was that magic word again? <laughs> How do you open the door? <laughs> Don't worry, I do it too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with that, I think we should cheers to the little people in all of our lives. Agreed. And what's on tap today, gentlemen? Have a pint. Take a break and relax. It's my favorite part of the show. So tell me, boys, what's on tap? Well, gentlemen, tonight, what's on tap? I want to share with you, uh, it is called King Size Candy Bar Stout from Backwoods Brewing Company out of Carson, Washington. I actually picked this up over at Total Wine and More. Um, so if you got one of those in your area, maybe go see if they can pick this up for you. It's uh, 7.2% alcohol and it is 20 ibus so not too not too uh bitter um i'm just gonna read this real quick it's uh chocolate caramel nougat and peanuts we all know what this is without quote unquote legally having to say it right grab yourself one of these king size oatmeal stouts and experience all of these flavors perfectly balanced in a beer question if you share this with a friend is it technically fun size? I'm not going to be sharing my can with you guys. Well, it's a good thing you bought one for everybody. I did. I did. It, it comes in a four pack of 16 ounce. He only delivered three. I only delivered three because... He had to do some research. I did some research prior to this. Um, it, it's good. I, I would say that it's a well, little... I'm not going to wait anymore. Yeah, don't wait. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, that 
that first sip. Ooh, that is good. Yeah, that is. I, I, I'm not a huge uh, chocolate stout. I don't like. I don't like chocolate really. Yeah, I, which is odd. But that's actually pretty good. I think the butter, the the peanut butter, yeah, definitely helps. This, the caramel. Wow. Yeah, that's that's great. It, that's smooth. I, I, I like on there. It's it. The, I, I had it colder before, and now I'm eat, drinking it, and it's it's a little bit warmer. So much better, warmer. Really? Oh yeah, my this gosh! Is, this is really smooth. Honestly, like I'm I'm impressed. Yeah, like this is really good. Yeah, I like their details on the untapped page where it says uh, no candy bars are harmed. Oh in yeah, the making of this. This is nice. You know what? If you drank four of these at seven point two. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you're gonna feel it the next day. This might be especially this being so really heavy. What, what's it on my uh, Bud Light rating scale? There's <laughs> 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 two Bud Lights, <laughs> three, I think. <laughs> so we came up with our own rating system, but John already has his pre-programmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> this is one of those ones where it, wow, it's this like is fan- I, I'm speechless, man. Like usually, I have a lot to say about beer, but this is I just okay. want to drink it. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I, 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 like I said, man, I don't like chocolate. So okay, well we'll split his. We'll finish yeah, off you can his. Get a, you can get a truly. Oh my goodness! I think so, in order to get John the beer that he wants, I'm gonna have to go to the Total Wine with him and be like, "Don't buy that." You, that you might need be, to go buy that. That might be a field trip. No, though. we might have to take. We a, might like, need to. We might have to take awesome. a field trip. No, we'll do. A, we'll, <laughs> next time, or I won't say next time, but one of these times, we'll do a traveling podcast beer oh, review oh my gosh where we take the podcast equipment and we go oh yeah to one of these places probably a sit down place and get one of the one something out of when a, out we of can a tap. sit down again right yeah yeah <laughs> so 2022 totally about that yeah sadness no, no I'm, I'm not that picky like i just chocolate if it says chocolate i probably wouldn't have gone yeah, John's for it. pretty picky but this man is actually no when i pick a beer i just like oh that looks really cool I want to try that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I think we all do. But you know what? I, I will tell you this: like, I, I, not to take away from Backwoods King Size Candy Bar Stout Spotlight, but since we reviewed Sweet As, I've bought that twice. Oh yeah, because that's amazing. I, sweet As was good, especially when you sit down to paint a miniature at night and you just like, hey, look, I'm feeling like a beer, but I don't want to get crazy with oh, yeah. it, and I don't want to feel like I'm fucking bloated after I drink it. Yeah, Sweet As. Yeah, yeah. But you know wow. what's frustrating is I went to go buy some of that stuff, it's gone? Total Wine, and I couldn't find it. Oh, but I went to a gas station, <laughs> probably the same gas station. The Chevron Country Boys down there. Oh, this was at a Chevron actually. So <laughs> okay. There's multiple gas stations. <laughs> it's a gas. That's a good beer, guys. You hit the gas station. It's a gas station. <laughs> the one and only. <laughs> it's kind of fun that we're talking about another beer during this I, but I, I don't mean, know what else to say about this is yeah fucking fan. this is fun sized in every pint it, it does taste like sure. a candy bar yeah i i it does taste like a candy bar it's actually it's really good if this you is, like if you amazing. like candy bars yeah. you candy like, bars this would be it yeah if you like snickers this is if you like Butterfinger. Hey, beer. hey! It even it gives you a warning that you can't legally talk about that. We're revealing <laughs> it, so we can. Yeah, that's the secret. That's the secret. If you guys didn't get that, so I mean, honestly, I'm gonna give this a four. Yeah, I'll, I'm gonna give it a four. By majority rules, Johnny doesn't fucking matter what you give it. <laughs> John, I'm not even. I'm not even gonna give you a number then. No, you give us a number. Give us a number. Give us a number. I, I know you don't like chocolate. Two. Mm, you like two? Oh, yeah, two. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I, no, it's it. 
it's good. It's it's not bitter at all. No, it's got a, a very it's sweet, extreme, smooth yeah, flavor. This is very like easy on like, on the downside. If that chocolate wasn't there, this would be a four for me. See, this is what's frustrating. Is one of the other beers that I got when I went to the store was we'll talk about it later, but it's a, literally because it'll be in a different podcast. It'll be in a different podcast, but it is a peanut butter chocolate milk stout, and it is amazing. You drank one of those too, huh? Not yet. <laughs> Then how do you know it's amazing? Because I've had it before. Oh, <laughs> see, see, this, the, the more chocolate bought, you bring, you're gonna get a bunch of low ratings from me. The version I bought is a special edition one with Mexican chocolate. Oh, so I was just about to say, so, like, that's kind of like doing a book report on a book you've read two summers ago. I'm fine with it, <laughs> guys. I've drank so much different beer that it's kind of yeah, hard for me to go to two a, or three years of a thousand beers a year. Yeah, that's insane. Like, I, now I, did you now over those two or three years that you did that? Did you? Was there any overlap in beers? No. So you, you, you have to did, log individual beers for. So you've literally. Do you have those notebooks? You've done three thousand different beers oh, at, at least. least. Yeah, at least. Because before that, I was probably doing five hundred a year. I totally understand why your favorite class in D anD D is a monk. Yep. Yeah. I get it. Or a cleric. Or a cleric. Yeah, yeah, I just know. <laughs> something that has to do with hey, they probably brew down in their caves. <laughs> I was thinking greater restoration. <laughs> <laughs> that, that works too. <laughs> Or healing spirit, for fuck's sake. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I need something for the hangover the next day. (laughs) You drink too many of these and you will. Yeah, for sure. This is definitely dessert in a can. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's sweet. So, I mean, over overwhelming uh, majority is four. My my two rating comes with a caveat. Yeah, He just doesn't not like chocolate beer. About chocolate. But do so, you, as a chocolate beer, what would you rate this? Uh, probably a four. Well, it, see, it, there we okay. go. Then it's a as four. I feel like you <laughs> finagled your way around this. Uh, no, but hey. John, we're going to take your two as the standard. Like, that's that's what you rated That's this. my rating. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That is my rating. But. God. I had to I had to rate an IPA and I gave cool. it pretty favorable ratings. Yes, You're you also did. a favorable guy. That's true. I'm not. This I'll tell you straight very, up. Yeah, this is not a very favorable <laughs> straight guy. up. Personalities considered. Person. Okay. You okay. can't fucking massage. You heard the it here, folks. Though, as far as <laughs> hey, as man, far as the, the, the widow's, chocolate beer goes, I don't know. Okay, hold on. Is the widow's peak more <laughs> exaggerated you now that like, my hairline's going back, or is it less exaggerated? You look like Prince Vegeta. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a nice straight hairline, except the widow's peak, obviously. Well, the, the straight hairline's so gone. Yeah, but we've talked about this before. You have the wings. You love my hair. I <laughs> love the wings. Yeah. You need to be Doctor Strange for Halloween. <laughs> when Halloween's a it's thing funny. again. You yeah, know what, when though? it's a thing again. You know, I, sleep, I sleep on my side. The left you know. side's the right side. No, I'll, I'll, I'll bounce back and Whoa. forth. But when, my, when I wake up in the morning, the sides of my hair are standing straight up, and the top is still like kind of slicked back or slicked forth. <laughs> And Wolverine. Yep. <laughs> Every time I wake up, everybody's like, "Oh my god, you look like Wolverine." My my beard's all messy. It, they're like, "That's just Wolverine." The same look of disgust that Wolverine has on his face all oh, the time. Oh yeah, it's just it's that that face of like, "Oh, oh what's going on?" I saw. Why I is the want... sun still up? I don't know if anybody else has seen this, but I saw a meme I hate day, light. and it's this little girl with this just this sour look on her face. She's probably like three or four, and it's it. The caption is something to the effect of like. Uh, how I feel when I wake up knowing that I have to go to work and I just want to be in bed still or something like that. And it got me thinking, like, as soon as I wake up, generally what I'm looking forward to... Breakfast? Is going back to bed. (laughs) 
I don't see. I when I wake up, I'm I'm awake. Like I don't lay there. I don't hit the snooze. I don't do any of that. When I wake, I wake up. And my I can I attest guess my, to that just from the the mass amount of parties that I've had with Ben. Over the years, going to bed at five, you know, drunk, cr- you know, crazy football party. And then at eight o'clock in the morning, the house is spotless. I'm like, <laughs> That's what in the world? To- and Ben's like, he's like cooking, cooking bacon, watching football, <laughs> you know. I'm like, I'm like, bro, you've you've had like two hours, three hours of sleep. What are you doing? He's like, oh, good to go. Let's go. We're, we're going. Sunday fun day, bro. Yeah. Sunday fun day. Nope. Thanks yeah, to our, our buddy, uh, uh, Gothar Keg Brew. We're going to rate this. This candy bar uh, American style stout. Yeah. Give it a four. So, Gothar, what's the rating for a four out of four? Rudy Tootie Fresh Ale Groovy. And you know what? It's only fitting that we have a candy bar stout because our topic today is pretty fudging. <laughs> gotcha. But first, a word from our sponsor. Looking to populate your tabletop with outstanding fantasy miniatures? Then look no further. Sneak Attack Prints has a range that will satisfy all your fantasy tabletop needs. From heroes to monstrous foes, these highly detailed miniatures will leave your players in awe when you put them on the table during your next game. So grab yours today and learn on your tabletop. www.etsy.com slash shop slash SNK Attack Prints. And tell them of Dyson Brew sent you. All right. So tonight's topic is something something I think is for newer DMs or DMs period, but um could be player influenced, but that's fudging of dice. And not just fudging of dice, but like fudging of um maybe hit points or hits to players or or damage done or anything like that. Or even fudging rules. Rules. So it's fudging period. So it's it's basically so what fudging is is basically your monsters or your um, dice have a have a set when you roll them or mm-hmm. they're they're already written out have a set uh, value and by fudging you're kind of taking that value and you're skewing it you're making it different that's fudging so the way that this works in my mind is that let's say for instance i'm gonna paint a picture real quick paint. you have three level one characters they're going up against an ogre and forgive me if my stats are off but the ogre has an ac of eight he's a hit points uh machine so he's a big bag of meat he has a whole bunch of hit points not a high ac so he's just there to take hits continuously the only thing is that the ogre deals a lot of damage yeah with that multi-attack I don't, I don't think they have multi-attack. I don't think they have multi-attack, they but it's like a 2d6 at level yeah. one. That's yeah, pretty great substantial. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if they have multi-attack. Like I said, don't stats. Yeah, they're not in front of not us. right in front of me, so you know. But 2d6 at a level one character is is a pretty substantial hit. Oh yeah, uh, one shot. Yeah. So let's say that. <laughs> let's say that. Let's say that. Even as not even just a, a party of new characters, but even as a, like an, a DM and you're playing level one, and you want to make your encounters not so goblin esque because everybody encounters goblins or kobolds right off the beginning because yeah. that's just a typical thing you do. But let's say that you want to make it this encounter and you're not expecting your dice to roll so high that night because your action economy outweighs everything that you're doing right now for your players in your players' favor. But you get a couple good hits and there maybe their dice aren't so high. So you take one of these player characters down and maybe your ogre's down to like maybe their last hit or whatever. And you roll a critical, a natural 20 on their hit on the character before maybe that character hits your ogre and and kills it. The party's already decimated. At that point, as a DM, in my mind, I'm fudging that roll because I don't want to kill the story right as we start. Oh, yeah. 
I'm not trying to out the party as much as I'm trying to instill fear or tell them that this game is deadly or this encounter is deadly or maybe they should have not encountered this ogre or tried a different way and then straight engage it. Like I'm fudging that role. I'm pulling back a little bit. But that's the kind of DM I am. So I'm definitely in favor of fudging roles to progress story. I think uh, a, a large part in deciding whether you're going to fudge roles or not also it is based on what you're what you're um what you're what you're wanting out of the campaign like we, we've been in campaigns to where they're they're uh rapanatha yeah, grinders is, yeah where it's all right this is what it is this is this is crazy difficult it, it's it's dangerous you might not fudge dice in that one because you you've set the precedence you you've made it very aware that you know your actions will have could or potentially have great consequence and if the dice the dice play out the way the dice do that's what it is but then if you're really going for a kind of a you want you want that storytelling aspect oh yeah fudge fudge the rolls because when that frost giant skeleton rolls uh two attacks on a level one character no you got to make sure that the story progresses well, at some and, point and you got, but you still got to instill the fear at the same time and i agree with that and, and here's the other thing is like if you're dealing with new players the last thing you want to do is one shot somebody so it kills the taste in their mouth of this game completely. yes yes you, you or as a new dm like the last thing you want is blood on your hands the first 20 minutes you're into a session either yeah. So, I mean, it, it's definitely situational based, but as a DM, I consider fudging dice a tool in your toolbox. For sure. You know what I mean? Like, that's definitely something, a resource that you can use to either further the story, further combat. In my mind, though, as a DM, I really never use fudging against the players. It's always in favor of the players. Yeah. Whether fudging be adjusting hit points for monsters or hits on dice i really never fudge for my like for for the npcs or the monsters it's always in favor of the players unless one one caveat i mean one one exception unless it's increasing the hit points in the encounter that i didn't um want to end too soon that i didn't want to end yeah. too soon or that they got the jump on me that doesn't necessarily mean that all encounters are like that but if it's an encounter that i thought that should soften up the characters for maybe the final encounter and it ended way too soon before maybe even my guy got a, a, a hit in or something like that or just to give the characters a taste that's I, I do that that's one of my big things like with with fudging dice is when uh when i make the encounter i i write down the max hit dice of that creature and i write down the, the average hit dice and i i keep those numbers in my sight and as the as the damage is progressing i just oh man you're okay over there it just lost it go down the wrong pipe oh yeah uh, don't choke on that snickers bar <laughs> king says but uh no i i you know if the fight is you know dangerous and and you guys are having a hard time with it all right, I might stick Scale to that it back a little bit. Stick at that average hit point, or even go lower. See, I, I don't. But if it's if it's like you were saying, to where you guys are are getting the jump on it, and you're you're just taking damage, and maybe my attack rolls have I I roll really low, anyways, and my attack rolls haven't been hitting very much. All right, well, you know, this thing's at max max hit points. I I I, I keep both those numbers in my head. I think this goes back to something that we've brought up in almost every episode up to this time. Why everybody should play D&D? No. Well, no. Um 
expectation, setting the proper expectation and having the conversation. Because one of the things that I've noticed is that as a DM, there are times where I just, I have the capacity. I want to, I want to have fun too. Right. And I have had a long day at work and, or long day in personal life or whatever. Right. And I don't want to have to like mess with stuff. And depending on how you are with that and where your brain goes, you may want to fudge dice because you're like, ah, screw it. You know, I I want them to keep going. Or you might just be like, yeah, I'm not even going to use a DM screen today. Here you go. That's what I rolled. You're 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 good. But if you set the expectation at the beginning that that's what's going to go on, I think it kind of sets the tone for a different play style. I think it, it, it sets the tone for like, hey, these guys can roll natural 20s, too. And you're going to have to deal with that. I'm not saying that every D20 should be fudged, but I, in my playstyle, and I, I think that one of your points is definitely like spot on. It's all about the DM and, and the expectations of the DM and the playstyle of your DM. Because regardless of the, the players being in control of the story, ultimately it's dictated by the playstyle of the DM. The DM is going to guide you to wherever he wants you to go, ultimately. Because wherever the players choose, the DM can always switch the locations to be exactly where he wanted you to be in the first place. But oh yeah, I, so, I, I want to I want to make sure though that we're not saying that one version is more superior than the other. Not at all. No. I'm just saying that there's multiple ways to do this. Oh yeah. But here's the thing: is that in my playstyle, so all I'm speaking from his personal experience in my play style i'm a very story driven dm i'm a very event i would call it driven dm i in my way of having fun is not necessarily in combat but is the overall theme and the overall storytelling atmosphere of the session that takes place that night or that day or whenever you play but that's the way i drive my or i i get the fun or the pleasure the feeling as my success session went successful is by telling a good story whether that be in combat or RP or anything like that. And ultimately, in my games, like, I mean, if the dice are going to, the dice are going to roll what they're going to roll. Yeah. But ultimately, if it means telling a good story, between telling a good story and killing the fucking, the the morale of the group, I'm probably going to fudge those dice. And you can take the, the pulse of the table in the time that those rolls are happening. Roll that inside check in real life. (laughs) But you can take the pulse of the table and and see where everybody's at mentally. And you can tell by your players because the more you play with those players, the more you're going to get to know those personalities at your table more fluently. Yeah, I think I think the big point is, is that as a DM, you are able to do this at any point in time that you want. I don't think. But it, but it needs, there needs to be a reason that you can actually verify. Because the other thing is, is that if you're constantly fudging rules to keep players alive, they're going to rely not- on that. Well, they're either going to rely on that or, you know, the stakes aren't high enough and it's like, what's the point? One one thing that comes to it's mind. It's like playing the game on easy at that point. And yeah. That can not, that's not fun sometimes. Well, here's the other thing is that I think that you don't want to do this too often. But if you like, let's say that you're coming to a climax of a, of a, a story arc. And let's say that the meat bag that you set up before the big baddie is supposed to soften up the players to so they use a little bit more resources and they do some stuff to to make the last fight really tough. You know what I mean? Like you just want to put that much more strain on the players at the last fight. 
Because, I mean, that's kind of like the coup de grace of the dungeon or the coup de grace of the session, or not the session, or the story arc or whatever in your campaign, or even your last big baddie. You know what I mean? So you set up, you always tend to set up that, like, either trap encounter or big, big general kind of thing or lieutenant or secondhand man. You know what I mean? The the pre-boss. The pre-boss. The boss to the boss. The sub-boss. You know what I mean? Or pre-boss, whatever you want to call it. But It's got a good flow. Yeah, for sure. But let's see. Let's let's say that that maybe that pre-boss was a little bit too difficult yeah. and you kind of still want that you want to give them the satisfaction of at least having a shot at the last boss uh, and and you know fudging dice to this to your point fudging dice doesn't even have to be a behind the screens like uh you know you 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 rolled you obviously hit but you say no you didn't hit it doesn't have to even be that it could be to your scenario that pre-boss was a little too difficult. So now when they do finish that pre-boss, they find something that could benefit them. That you didn't you didn't even have written in in the campaign, but you're just like, okay, I I I realized that I just pushed them a little too far farther than you were wanting to. So you need to make that back up somehow. And and you throw in, you know, some potions of healing or whatever, you know, something that wasn't wasn't in your mind. And and I, I think that's still considered fudging. At that point, I would agree that that's fudging, but I would also say that like I maybe it's just because of who I'm used to DMing for. But there are times where you put up every freaking road sign that like you do not want to try to mess with this right now. Like like the frost giant skeleton is breaking out of the ice. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And people do stupid things anyway. Like run further into the cavern instead of out. John, I'm feeling personally attacked right now. <laughs> also, but, I. Yeah, but but point being, like, there, there's a time to fudge dice in your favor, too. You're the DM. If you've got the DM screen up and it's like, you know what? You guys need to understand that you're not going to be able to walk into everything and destroy everything. And um, you might have to set an expectation, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, if, of, of, like, showing in the game. Like, no, you guys just rolled... Or you guys have been really cocky and I want to show you what it's like to actually fight against a juvenile or an adult white dragon, you know, whatever. I'm looking at one, so that's why I brought that up. But it's like, well, maybe that wasn't really something that you rolled or planned, but you need to you need to show the table like, hey. The stakes are real. See, I but I think that that's I don't know if that's a way of fudging as opposed to a way of DM prep because in my mind, okay, so when I plan encounters, I plan encounters to I plan encounters to the player's strengths, and then I plan encounters to players' weaknesses as well. Okay, so I guess fudging for me is a way for the DM on the fly to adjust the counter to whether it be too deadly, not deadly enough. Or just deadly. So you're always looking for that sweet spot of how how much, how do you want this encounter to go? What is your ideal ending for this encounter? What are you looking for out of this? You know what I mean? So if you're looking for this to be a way for, let's say your players just leveled up. They're just level three. They just got all their archetypes. They're, they're wanting to experience their new skills. They want to fucking cast some spells and shit like that. They're interested. Give them some fodder. Just give them that fucking... Something they can dominate and just be fucking the trial run. Have fun with. And Here, just, here's a trial run for yeah, you guys. But you know Fuck what? Up that some does? Here's the thing: yeah. is that that builds confidence. Anytime you put up a a, play, a group of people, just like in real life, training sessions. You know what I mean? Anytime you do something and you accomplish it, accomplish it. Pardon me. You accomplish it. You build the, confidence. The king size getting to you. It is. 
you build confidence in what you're doing, right? That's why we have practice. Yeah. That's why we do things numerous amounts of times so we can build ourselves confidently. To, so like the next time it presents itself, we can do it confidently. But also with confidence comes a bit of carelessness. <laughs> oh, yeah. So every yeah. time you're yeah. confident in something, you build something called carelessness where maybe you don't think you need to practice that much or maybe you think that you're invincible in that aspect or maybe you think that anytime that thing comes along you can conquer it with your eyes closed and you need a reality check and you need a reality check and you know all of this like even though this some of these things like the the point that you brought up andy and 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 you've been aren't actual dice rolls you're fudging that's still fudging you know it the, that you're 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 fudging the story if 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 uh that's a better term i don't know but when, I, I think we uh, any good dm or 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 new dm should should do these types of things uh, if if something went too smoothly all right you know give them something else add something uh maybe more monsters came out of the hallway i don't know but or 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 if something's too hard maybe and and you're seeing that you know your level two characters are about to get their ass whooped and die. You don't want a TPK. You want to continue this campaign for a while. All, all right, you know, all of a sudden this this monster has half the amount of hit points it had. Before. Or maybe or maybe only one of those players die. You know what yeah. I mean? Like maybe I think you don't one TPK. Player, I think one player's death give, is great. But you give the reality of like, listen, death because of your choices, you can die. Yeah, there. This maybe you don't outright kill them, like a like a you know, but you you drop them. Maybe you know two death save rolls or something. You know, before well, they can get healed. Well, okay. So this makes me think of two situations, and like I like everybody knows, like my experiences with DMing for teenagers. And there's a lot of times that teenagers need to be put in their place, right? Because they don't have the decision-making parts of their I, brain. I don't know if it's just teenagers. It's yeah, probably not just teenagers, <laughs> but it, it's, it's exacerbated in that demographic. When right? we play this it's game, expected. I th- when it's we play expected this game, that, point, that could be too. Really, you don't really necessarily think you should feel the need to check adults. It's more expected in teenagers. No, but when you, we play this game, I think we all kind of revert to that. We, we probably do. But it, okay, so so... Hear me out here for a second. So there's there's a there's a there's a situation where I remember um, they got rocked. They were first level characters. There's four of them. First level characters. There was three goblins. They got rocked by the goblins. I don't quite understand how three goblins could take out Andy's dice were on fire. You they forgot to fudge your dice rolls. <laughs> well, I was kind of fudging, and then I was like, I was kind of like. Why am I fudging this? These guys are rolling like crap and making stupid decisions. Like they need to know that like, things are, are a problem. So what I did was all of the goblins dropped them. Okay. Fade to black. They wake up in the goblin cave. Well, it was a TPK because as soon as they woke up in the goblin cave, instead of trying to talk to the goblins and figure out what's going on, they freaking broke out of their thing or their, their, their ropes and started slaughtering 20 goblins. Okay. I don't even know if a group of four or five level characters is going to be able to take on 20 goblins at once. Hold on. But that's what they did. You got a TPK under your belt? I've got like six. Oh my gosh. Shit. No, these these particular individuals don't always make good decisions. He said, I got six. And it's, and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, if, 
I'm they, they're not going to stop playing with me. They they can justify why that happened. They can look back and go, we made stupid decisions. OK, well, guess what? Who knows what's going on in that world? We're going to roll up a new one and we're going to go somewhere else. And they're just going to that. That's the nice thing is they're elastic in that where well, you can just keep going. All your players should be like that. That's they how they totally should. But here's the thing is like if you're invested in anything, if you're invested in anything to where to where you care about it at all, oh, you're yeah. going to take a little bit more time to make good decisions. OK, if you're in, then you need to be invested and you might need something to actually get you invested. Right. And and there there's all these different as a DM. Right at the end of the day we are facilitating fun. a story fun all of this stuff we've all have this like unspoken social contract that like this is what fun is we need to have a certain level of not knowing what's going on i think uh in a past uh one of these episodes i was discussing the fact that i had heard somewhere that somebody said that you know maybe death is 30 percent possible but the Needs to feel 70. Yeah the, yeah. The, yeah. the players need to feel that it's 70% possible in order to feel heroic because that's okay. Let's be honest. Like in this day and age, it's really hard to feel heroic. That's why things like video games, I think why things like superhero movies, that's why things like D and D are such a big part of that. And so if your fudging dice is to make the things heroic, um, I'll go into a quick story. This happened just this week of, you know, I had, I had three people there. I'm, I'm DMing for three, three different people. And one of the particular people wasn't able to be there. So we were going to play anyway. Um, we were going to, as we have talked in the past, Jaeger or pilot or just, you know, kind of like make cruise control, cruise control that, that character. Right. Well, it got to the point where, okay, one pair character was dead, dead. Another character was down below half hit points, and the character that wasn't there had five hit points out of 21 left. Okay, so Oof. instead of... It's a dire Did you situation, fudge those dice? I didn't fudge those dice, but they didn't want me to. We talked about it prior because I knew oh. this conversation was coming up, and I said, You hey. set a precedence. Well, yeah. I didn't set a precedence. I said, hey, are you guys well, cool with me fudging, or you don't want me to fudge? And they're like, we don't want you to fudge. Roll in front of us. And I was like, okay, Oof. here we go. So See, the, as a, hold on, just I like that. Pilot, I like that. I don't know if I like that because as a DM, I re, I reserve the right to to tell your story, to fudge to fudge my dice. Totally get that. This was just a, no, I, a social contract I, that we had at the point, and that's fine. I like and that I though as a upfront. as a as a upfront session zero topic. You know, yeah, I like that. That's cool. So, but anyway, so what we did is we we called the person, right? We said the person was not able to the, get the there. person that wasn't able to get there. You know, being teenagers, you can't always get rides or who knows what. Life on. happens. Life happens. You got to do the dishes. Yep. Parents, parents rule. And I, we've got to respect got that. Caught, right? Play not, pretend today, Johnny. Yeah. Got caught not doing my homework. Ooh. Exactly. So, so, you know, we called this person and it was like, okay, are you going to be the hero and charge in with five hit points or are you going to run? Because both of those options were very valid absolutely you need to make the decision because we're not going to make it for you and, the, and and to that point like those decisions both happen in real life and in the game oh absolutely like where all your resources is spent and you have to make it a choice right there like i've come this far like in real life i've come this far do i want to per- keep pursuing this knowing yeah. that i'm at yeah. the end of my rope yeah or do As- i want to flee and maybe fight another day so there's yeah. three of us in this room around this table looking at this battle mat and there's one guy left and this guy just ganked 
somebody, you know, just totally took him out. And it, we, and I, sorry, we didn't call him first. We, we actually texted him and I, I kind of set up the situation and all that we got back was a text, be the hero. And like the three of us were like, yes, this is so cool. So he rushes in. He's the hero. I was rolling for him, ended up rolling like max damage on a sneak attack and all this stuff dropped the bad guy in one hit, right? One of their characters died, died, not like just knocked unconscious, was dead, right? Um, when you crit some, I had two natural 20s in a row and they didn't want me. It and was ooh, dice were on fire. My, my, yeah. my dice were on fire. Jeez. But, but even seeing that, like the characters, the, the player characters, like, nope, that's what was supposed to happen. This makes sense. You know, what else was going to happen? You know, this is just the way it is, right? It works for everybody. And the way that we were playing was is that criticals were max damage plus an extra roll of whatever dice it was. What level are you? Uh, They are currently level. They got level four after this session. So they were level three. Um, Except that one character. Except for that one character. I remember when we were playing, uh, hold on, side note, John's campaign with the Mind Flayers. And, oh, yeah. and, and we we did crits like that too that those were devastating crits yeah, yeah. as a new dm and running uh level 12 characters oh man that's tough well and and so this kind of goes to the 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 point of of like fudging dice and yeah i should have like, fudged more um i don't know that i mean to be fair ben did 105 or 200 no, 202 202 points of damage in one round. He let me choose my own magic <laughs> items. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I give you a limit on magic items with a rarity limit. And you told and me you the have... campaign needs to be power gamed. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Well, ben, I... ben can power game too. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, I didn't I didn't think. I, I really did not think that. All right. Level 12 with all these magic items. I, and, and I, I pretty much doubled all the monsters and everything. I doubled everything. Like, and you did max hit points on all the monsters. And too. I was pretty much oh, yeah. Sephiroth. And I yeah. did max hit points. So it was like, all right, there. Nova connection. <laughs> you guys are, you guys are, are up against like an insane <laughs> amount of crazy big bads. Like every, every, every room you were in was a big bad. No, Ben's character just happens. Just oh my god, no. Well, I think no. I think it, at one wrecked point in it. Time, wrecked it. I was I I was a a uh, way of the shadow monk Gith Yankee and or Gith Zerai I don't remember you're Gizarai Gizarai anyway so I teleport in do a hundred and some points of damage because every time we'd walk into a room it'd be like hey so uh, where's where, the shadows where's the shadows yeah <laughs> well, that reminds me of, right now there, oh okay. that reminds me of the shadow the shadow super I would re- I would really game. love to redo redo that um. But I, I with the full squad, <laughs> with the full squad, six characters, and as it's written, as it's written, yeah. level nine, for sure. Yeah. I would, I would love. I would to like do that. to see that ending spin a different, a different way too. But at the same time, relating to what you're saying, I mean, like, but that's if your expectations based on communication are communicated at the beginning of whenever you write. And that, and I think that needs to be honored. So if you bring that up to your players and you're at the beginning of your session, like, hey, look, are you okay with me fudging dice? If you want to bring that up, you know what I mean? Then then you need to honor that social contract. And so do they. Yeah. They need to honor that social contract too, which is awesome because, I mean, that created a very epic moment. Yes. You know what I mean? But also, I, be- I think that, that fudging is an art form. 
I think fucking yeah. as oh, a yeah. DM is an art form just because you're just like this world, just like the world you create, just like the world that your players live in, just like the scenarios you create are ever changing. And your ability to improv on the fly, to tell a better story, to initiate fun. In, fudging dice is another tool in your toolbox to do that. And it only should be used for that. It should never. It's like Spider-Man's with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's exactly what I had to create uh, equate fudging dice to. You know what I mean? Like with fudging dice comes great responsibility because you have to in some way, because you're a fudging dice, it, there has to be a reason for it. It can't just be because you had a bad day or work or you have yeah, angst towards that player. Don't fudge, or, don't fudge your dice to lead to a TPK. No, no, don't, oh, of course not. That's not it's don't a, fudge your dice to make the players have a bad night. It should never be used for evil. Pure fun. Pure, pure fun. fun Correct. Pure engagement. Pure immersion. Pure f- storytelling. Whatever. Or storytelling aspects. As yeah. all fudging yeah. in my mind should be used for. No, for sure. And I think I think fudging dice is a fantastic storytelling tool, like as we've talked about. But it's not, very situational, and it, that's that's the point. Is like you don't have to always do oh, it, yeah, and no. you don't have to always not do it. You should never always do it. You should oh, never. Yeah. Every encounter that you have, like I said, you you come up with as a DM your own encounter structure, or even like skill aspects. Let's let, let's say you're you're really like even in role playing aspects. Like let's just not equate this to combat. Let's let, let's equate this to skill checks and 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 RP encounters. Like when you have a DC, because all DMs set their DC, your difficulty check or your dice check or whatever you want to call DC, the amount that the players have to roll on the dice to achieve a certain amount of information or a success on any skill that they, they choose. When you set that DC and you really like maybe your story hinges on this bit of information and you set this up to where only one or two players can actually achieve this information based upon their skills or whatever. And they don't. And they don't. But you really want to give them this. You know what I mean? Either either one of two things happens at this point. You either give it to them based on the highest score and you forget your dice check. Yep. Or you find another way to deliver that information. And yeah. 90% of the time, out of 100% of the time, because as a DM, you've taken so much time to prep or... You're probably just going to get You're probably just going to give that to them anyway. And, and it, makes, yeah. it, it makes fine sense. Unless it doesn't make sense of the dice. Like, let's say your DC check was 17 and they rolled a 9. It probably All doesn't right. make sense. you got to find another way to deliver yeah. the information. Well, but, but I would say even then, like, then ask them, okay, so you just rolled a 9. Why? What did you do to accomplish this? And if they come up with a really cool way to accomplish this, then give them advantage. All of a sudden, it's either they give you give them advantage or that DC of seventeen because you have complete power to do so is now eight. Or, or in addition to that, another way to handle <laughs> one that. above whatever they rolled last time. Yeah. <laughs> or in addition to that, you give them something to make make them think that something is there you and plant they need that to seed. you plant a seed because that's what this game is about just like in real life like you make anytime- them or you gave them a, you gave them a tidbit and now they're like ooh, i gotta hunt my, down more one of information my favorite things to do is is to say yeah you don't know what's going on but something's not right something smells bad and and here's the thing and just, all of a sudden they're gonna they're gonna swarm over that trying to figure just out what's like going on. in real life though man like like we talked about in a previous episode where just because you you didn't succeed at something doesn't necessarily mean you did bad. Getting a little bit of information doesn't necessarily mean that you can't acquire more. It also should motivate you to pursue, if that's your desire, to pursue whatever it is you're looking for further. This, yeah. You know, what you just said right there really reminds me of something, a uh, it's not a parable, I, I, 
a, a phrase that I've really um, held throughout my life, and that's failure is my greatest teacher. Failure is absolutely my greatest teacher. I, I don't ever, in, in real life, in, in, in real situations, in my work, in my relationship, in my parentage, I, I don't look as failure as a bad thing. Or look, an end-all be-all. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, I failed in that one moment. And that's not to what say can that I, failure doesn't hurt. No, no, failure yeah. can very much hurt, very much hurt. But, but in that one moment, I failed at something. I got to look at that moment. What did I miss? Yeah. What did I miss there? And, and in D&D, if, if, if players fail and as a DM, maybe you give them that little tidbit to like, all right, you didn't, you didn't quite succeed the DC, some, but I'm going to give you a, a sliver of something as a player something i would i i would like to do it would be like okay i obviously i didn't get everything i needed out of that what can i what can i do better how can i get that information what can i pursue what can i track down to get the information i need now especially that i know where i failed at and and i and that's why everybody should play D &D. i think that i think (laughs) i think this lens on on both accounts like i i think that failure not only is your is your greatest teacher but it also gives you a drive and when you succeed like let, let's take it back for for a second when you succeed automatically at something you don't look at that experience as a learning experience no you don't ever re, re get that entitled feeling that. almost yeah you're like i can do that every yeah. time yeah when you fail then you start to analyze yep yeah or when you don't get enough that's when you start to analyze. Man, I think we're almost leading. Does, does fudging dice, can it potentially lead to personal humility? I, I, I honestly, <laughs> like, honestly, on, on one of these papers, that's what I wrote down. Fudging, fudging dice is personal humility. You really wrote that down? Yeah. That's like, amazing. And I, 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 because, because I think that just like any teaching tool or any instance that you encounter, you know what I mean? You should find humility in every instance. Yeah. Because it only makes you a better person. Yeah. Having personal humility and being able to separate yourself from the situation and deduce what went wrong or what went right in your own minds say, hey, these things, these things I can improve on. Because as people, we can always improve on everything. Whether you got it right or not, you should be able to look back and improve on everything. Yeah. You've using the word humility, you've got me thinking about a quite a few things um and i think this this is an aspect of humility but i think we need to identify what humility really is humility isn't to say if you knock it out of the park isn't to be like oh yeah yeah whatever you know because that's not that's not what humility is that's no and it's also not the opposite of just being absolutely humiliated no but but humility in if you knock it out of the park let's say should look something like you know what i don't know why but I was made to be able to handle this situation. And I worked really hard to overcome this situation. And thank you for noticing that because I, I did, I worked hard to do this. That that's humility is like recognizing somebody recognizing your greatness. Right. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and being able to say like, Hey, I don't know why I'm capable of doing this, but I am. And at the same time, like I've honed that skill and you see that in character creation in D and D. And that's exactly why I wrote that down is because is because you can tell when players are are try, trying to accomplish a goal, yeah, and when they're not, when oh, they're yeah. just rolling yeah. dice checks, and when they're actually trying to progress a story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another aspect in RP is when you should fudge dice and not, because when a group is actively seeking 
a, a solution to a problem. You know what I mean? And let's say that they're doing everything right. Just like in our, our previous uh, episodes where like you had the right suit, you went to the right interview, you did everything right. But that, that dice just wasn't on your side at that day. Yeah. That's why you fudge and you give them a little bit. Oh, man. Do we just go full circle and humility brings reason to fudge dice now? Oh. Did you just become the t-shirt man? Maybe. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So, but I think this is where we need to we need to kind of move forward. And you had kind of told me a little bit about the points you wrote down, but I think this is a great segue into where we say, okay, we, we have a lot that we could talk about this situation, right? That, that, and you know, you guys maybe could listen to us for hours talking about this, but the point probably not. So two main points that we, we should bring up before we end this conversation. And I bet you this is the one that go for it. It's okay for the DM to do it. Is it okay for the player character to do it? Is it okay for the player character to fudge dice when it's like everything's on the line and they can tell like this is a story issue and I just rolled a natural one. Do I here's just ride with it? And here's the thing though is based upon everything we've said so far, you, do you earn that humility by the player fudging dice? No. Do you, do you, have you earned it? I I, I don't know. I, that's I think, why I think it's a great. I think a player fudging dice is cheating. Is cheating? Yeah, hands down. And uh, okay, yeah. a player a player fudging dice. They roll that natural one. That means they're they're scared of the the outcome of what can happen. And and I understand that anybody you know for, if you're invested in your character, you could be scared of that outcome. I don't know if it's but, just scared of the outcome or scared of failure. Period. Or scared of failure, but you're 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 fearful and you're. You're not willing to see what happens next. And if you if you just accept that natural one and maybe, yeah, you know, that natural one leads you to getting you drop down a thousand foot cliff. You turn Let, into a goldfish. Leave, <laughs> leave leave the 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 dice fudging up to the DM. Because yeah. if you drop down that thousand foot cliff, let the DM come up with a way what happens to what you. happens. Maybe you die. And if you die, accept it. Well, but, but if but I I think I think probably a good eight nine times out of ten you're you're probably not gonna die you're you're well, gonna it might lead to another quest for yeah. for the party it might lead who knows it might lead to a a, a new power I don't know but it, let, it might let you let your character find that out but here's the thing is like it's gonna lead to the humility yeah. It's gonna oh, lead. Yeah, it'll lead to it, yeah. It's going to lead to the humility. So whether your character dies or not, it's all about what you do with it the next time. Because like D&D, yeah. like we've said many times, like this is a place where you can fail and not have any consequences. Yeah, but I, it's just a game. It's just a game. I would but also in say, real life, though, hold on, but in real life, we should treat failures with humility. Yeah, 100%. All of them. And learn from and them. And successes. Ex- and accept them. Accept yes. a yeah. failure. Yes, and realize that a failure is not the end of the world. It's, it's not somebody learning. else's fault. It, it's not somebody else's fault. That's a Dude, that's 100% right. Because yeah. you should accept responsibilities for your own failures all the time. And here's it and it's not the it's a teaching tool. Failure is a teaching tool. Let the exactly. world around you fudge the dice. And if the Except fact that your, it hurts, the fact that failure hurts means that you care. Yes. Yeah. And the fact that maybe your failure disappoints other people means the fact that they care. Correct. Where my brain's going with this is that, okay, so there is the humility aspect of that, but also understand that like 
as a DM, your your job is not to coddle your players either. And you need to set up opportunities for them to learn and grow. And there is that balance. And that's why that's why I feel like when we started talking about this topic or you, we brought this topic up as a topic that we were going to talk about, I was like, crap, I could go both ways on this if, where it's like, OK, I can see a situation where it makes sense and I can see a situation where it's like, no, man, that's just that's the way the dice roll. Oh, for sure. I, I think balance is super important and balance in all aspects of life games whatever is very important and that as a dm you have to be that balance you do have to be that balance but i also think from a player character standpoint that if if your dm is fudging dice um and you know that it's happening it kind of sets this up of like well it's all rigged anyway i can do whatever i want i think with this this topic we can really get kind of like lost in the woods because there's so much minutiae to each individual thing Somebody wow. just hit a home run. Yeah, apparently what I just said was Pitchers really great. Pitchers haven't even reported yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but okay, so we've got we've got a ton of different little nuance, right? Of when it's okay to do it, when it's not okay to do it. And I think the three of us definitely agree that like it's okay for a DM to fudge. It's not okay for a player character to fudge. But where that sounds like a double standard, I think that that that's a little bit um a, a mis a misunderstanding of the roles of each person at the table. Yes, yes. I real quick, real quick. I I think I, I think it, it's it's very much outlined in the names of the positions in the roles. You have players, and then you have the dungeon master. The dungeon master is is the world. It, it is it is the world. It is the story. It is it is everything besides the players, and the players can only control their own actions where the dungeon master controls literally every single aspect of every single thing around the players so putting all of that onto one person you 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 have to fudge but as the players where you're only controlling your one character and what you can physically can control fudging is cheating at that point I would I would totally agree. I think that's why when it comes to okay, but I I also think that it's a play style situation that has to do with why you um uh, how do I explain it? Uh, there, there's there's a play style situation with the DM as well, right? And so like for me when I homebrew, my my thought is is like this is what's happening in the world. I'm giving the player characters an opportunity to affect whatever's going on. If they make stupid decisions, I'm probably not going to fudge the dice. If they come up with really cool ideas to circumnavigate real world problems or problems in the campaign, then maybe like befriend I'm, a hag, yeah, like befriend a hag, you know, or I thought that was amazing. Well, uh, you know, or try to shave somebody. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think that put that under stupid. <laughs> See, I, that, I, but that's <laughs> the point. Is like there's there's two different versions there. Like, no, I I understand, and I and I think. Ugh. You know, stupid, I, I, that's kind of maybe a harsh term, whatever, but stupid decisions as players, a lot of the times I think you could fudge it and kind of like maybe try to, as a DM, teach your players like, hey, don't make those decisions. Don't don't play that way. Well, I'm trying to lead you more down a you know certain situation. So like a good like 60-70% of the dumb decisions players make, you could probably still fudge. So, oh, but when oh, they make the really, really stupid ones... All right. Okay. Yeah. You might you might need that that lesson to be taught. But what you're saying makes me think of two particular video games in in my mind. Okay. Elder Scrolls Morrowind. <gasps> the best. 
Great game. <laughs> Whatever. I'll punch you in the face. Uh, yeah, you want to fight? <laughs> <laughs> That's the best out of all of them in my opinion. Just probably because it's um, nostalgic. But, but also, uh, um, The Witcher 3, okay? Shitty game. I will fight you. <laughs> um, okay, here, here's the thing about those two games, right? I didn't say shitty on the second is, is it wasn't a, those games didn't scale with you like a lot of video games do. You actually had the ability to wander in places you had no business being in. Oh yeah, no. If you knew how, you could jump right up to the mountain of doom and or whatever it was called in Morrowind. If you knew the path, you can go right there. <laughs> I see, and I think that that because those games didn't scale with you, that doesn't necessarily mean that. That's why I like D and D so much is because it does scale with you. You know what it I mean? Can. But life doesn't. It, no, it does. Ah, I don't know. Life scales with you all the time, dude. I mean, it, like this, the situations that are presented to you on a daily basis, they're the same level or if not higher than you all the fucking time. But that's because you know where to go and when we're not. Yeah. Or are we always learning and is it a constant experience? Like, seriously, man, you're I, not well, doing yeah. the same I don't math think, problems that I don't you are think, in kindergarten anymore. This isn't Kansas anymore, Toto. I don't I think mean, life to be scales fair, are, I, I haven't used any geometry and I'm in construction. Okay. I was no, I, just I, saying. I, I, I went from I went I went from a tire salesman to a uh, a maintenance engineer. I I jumped way above my my level. Yeah, but uh, we, you and I, the three I, the three I of us, could away. easily wander into places we have no business being in. Absolutely, but at the same time, it's all about our skills and how and how we adapt to those. Yeah, but that's the point of with with player characters. They can easily wander into places they're not ready for and based upon their reactions and their choices and how they present themselves is whether or not i allow them to still be there as a dm this is what i'm saying is like okay just like that instance that you brought up in a couple episodes back where like hey would you give them the ledge if they jumped and they outskipped their coverage you know what i mean yeah. it depends on how they present themselves if they give me a legitimate reason why they're trying for that ledge and i'm like oh I don't want you to go there, but at the same time, like you're presenting a case for yourself why you should go there. And I think in and that I'm story, I'm believing it, and I'm like, oh man, fuck, this is awesome. Like, let's just see what happens. Even though I don't have anything planned on the other side of the ledge, and then the dice agree with them. Yeah, just just like that, all of a sudden, I'm forced into a situation where guess what? I'm intrigued on why you wanted to go over here. So now I'm going to give you a little bit of something. I don't so see that just, as fudging, though. It, it is fudging. It's, it's a type of fudging, I would take it, but uh, not fudging dice. Like, well, I mean, no, I, I think we, I think, I think we, we will establish. Yeah. Like we've yeah, equated okay. the fudging over is overarching. It's yeah, not it, just dice. Fudging the okay. story. Fudging, fudging the fudging the situation. Yeah. Fudging anything. You know what I mean? It's almost fudging is almost the equivalent of cheating in a way for certain things. Okay. You know what I, I, mean? I think I think I think I I take it not so much as cheating. I think fudging as a DM is more of a way of uh situationally storytelling, you know, in the moment. Because this whole game, this whole game is we're we're writing Writing a a, a novel, novel, literally word for word, at the same exact time, in the very that very moment, and fudging as a DM is you're like, oh, I got a new idea. I Segway. Got, I got to switch this Segway. up real quick. You know, yeah, yeah. And that and and if you if you have to fudge the dice, if you have to fudge the story, if if you have to fudge the situation, if you have whatever. to fudge the location, if whatever you, if it your is, players go left and you want them to go right, you just move the whole fucking town. Well, yep. and okay, so. If I was going to wrap up this conversation, if I'm going to hold on, it's a thesis, man. Thesis, ooh, ooh, whatever. If I'm with the music, Andy, Andy, we 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 should do that. We expect a fucking T-shirt out of this. Okay, 
fudging dice just like in life fudging dice is a lot like assholes everybody has one <laughs> everybody has uh, one that's, nobody that's wants the, to know that's about the it that's you see at spencer's i just stole his thunder yeah no no but okay so back it up um it's it's highly situational and you as the dm get to make that call and sometimes you're going to make bad calls sometimes you're going to make good calls sometimes you're going to fudge in the wrong direction and that's okay i hate when i fudge in the wrong direction <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like a horrible statement yeah that's the t-shirt right there it's don't fudge in the wrong direction you just made you just made two t-shirts for smincer's gift shop front yeah back. yeah <laughs> Front to back. <laughs> but I anyway. think I think fudging uh, uh, to build a one. What you're saying, I think fudging also equates to one of the, like the most popular fucking phrases in pop culture history, comics and movies. Is like we said before, the Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. So use your fudging accordingly. Yeah, yeah. but but also I just want to stress this. I want the philosophical. Don't be afraid to make the mistake of fudging in the wrong direction. You are learning <laughs> just like everybody else. <laughs> Okay. Right. You know what though? I agree. The wind. I agree with that. Because I, as I was telling you about when I when I, I ran that win. when I ran that campaign. <laughs> the candy bar style, man. It was, yeah. When I ran that that the uh Dragon of Ice Spire and I had the the, the, the dragon come down on a uh Third level, random, party, level third level three? party yeah. and a random encounter. You know, it wasn't supposed to be much, just, you know, scary presence. And you guys. And we scared the shit out of it. Yeah, no, <laughs> you scared the shit out of me because if one more hit came, you were going to kill the big bad guy two levels before you're even supposed to encounter him. Yeah. And, and, when and you I was do, like, oh, shit. No, you do crap. 30 points I, of damage. I fudged the wrong direction. Well, when you do 30 <laughs> points of damage. To the big bad guy that, if I remember correctly, because I've run that campaign, only too, has thirty-eight points of health. That only like has one hundred and thirty-seven or something like that in one round from one character. You need to rethink your life in that point, and that yeah, Ooh. fudge away. You should have <laughs> rolled those insight checks, John. Like I said, I I shouldn't have even that random encounter. There shouldn't even I shouldn't even been tracking hit points. I should have been like, you get two rounds and it's gonna fly away. Yeah, okay, when I did that, let you guys get some pot shots off do you do you know blow your loads and when i ran that one out. i didn't track hit points i just said when you when they got to this much damage that thing and was flying this away. might be an like this might be a topic for side quest though but like i don't know if you guys noticed but dungeons and dragons for being in the title like dragons aren't very necessarily a presence in the game they're not very common. You know what I mean? So when you run no. a dragon, it almost feels like mythic. Yeah. Omnius. You know what I mean? Like And they're not even they're not even the even biggest bads of the game. No, I know that. But you like you shouldn't even track hit points anytime you encounter a dragon. Even ancients? No, Ooh, like they're not. CR uh, I know, but like nobody runs dragons. It's like uh, dragons are like unicorns <laughs> in fantasy. Should be called you Dungeons and Goblins. You can't fucking see them. You can't touch them. <laughs> Roadside encounters with goblins. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I mean, one th- levels one through three. <laughs> <laughs> that's as far as we get. <laughs> in the conclusion of this topic, I think that that fudging, just like a lot of the things that we've given, is a useful tool for DMs. It's a way to progress your story. It's a way to show your player characters humility. It's a way to build your player characters up, especially in a story-driven like campaign or setting. Also, fudging equates to real life, as in learn from your failures. Don't necessarily look down too hardly upon yourself for failing. Seek out why you failed and then build on it. 
Yeah. And then don't be afraid to fail. Embrace embrace a uh, uh, a bit of humility. Embrace a failure. Don't don't Are don't you li- us again? Don't no, live in that but failure, but learn from it. Based off of what you're saying though, I and I may throw a grenade into this and I he really just do apologize. We got to re-record. We're now. literally we trying may, to we end may, the conversation. Yeah, I know gonna, you're trying gonna, to. He's got to re we got to re-record the whole but thing. But what you just Hey, we got said, some D&D okay, to play. I I know John, but just hear me for a second. Okay, so you're saying the humility aspect, if you fail, all that stuff, that's great. So from a player character standpoint, when do I level up? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when do I level up? And then ideally, I think the big part of it is, is that when you're a player character and you know your DM is fudging dice constantly. You're not supposed to know, though. That's the point of this whole thing. That's fine, though, but you're not supposed to know, but at the the same time. Hold on, though. Hold on, Andy. You're the you're the exception, not the rule. You've quoted this many times. The yes. fact that you have a social contract with your players that say don't fudge any dice, blah blah blah. I totally That's why get they that. Invent DM screens, my friend. Nobody knows what I'm doing behind this. <laughs> I and totally I can get roll that. Random dice, any fucking time I want to, and you have no idea what the fuck's going and on. And I I totally get the idea of like the I'm random dice now. roll and the 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 smile will get everybody on edge. That's that's no, a it's gr- when the DM smiles, it's already too late. Yes, that's a great t-shirt that already exists, I think. But you know what? You know what? My if, point- if you have that problem, you need to set the presidents that you roll shitty like the I do. Presidents? Presidents. <laughs> presidents <laughs> that you roll really shitty like I do. So when you're like, oh yeah, it missed, but you re- you're really fudging that one, nobody knows because okay. you just roll like <laughs> shit anyways. Okay, here's my point though, is everybody who shows up to the table, they want to play a game that there are real stakes. And when we are being obvious about fudging the dice and it doesn't make sense why we're doing so. Roll your sleight of hand check. Okay. <laughs> I got a 17 natural 17. Point being. You're not that, you're not that I'm not sneaky. That good. I'm not that sneaky. But, I took keen mine. But <laughs> point, point no, being. Observation. It, yeah. it can really take a lot of care or a lot of people and just go, you know what? Screw this. The dice don't matter anyway. And so you, my point isn't that you don't do it. My point is, is that we have to be very strategic and we have to be very purposeful for why we're doing it. And I'm going to buy a can of silicone spray and I'm going to take that door and I'm going to make it so it doesn't squeak. I feel like, you know what? That door is like Mr. Rogers mailman. It just lets us know that we got mail. Okay. Yeah. Just for the audience purposes, that's. That's our, uh, our our game party coming in because we're about to play. Yes. Roll out. but And I'll, I'll agree with you to a point, Andy. Like Fudging is not something as a DM that you do consistently. It's not something that you you partake in all the time. Uh, you got to learn it's when, another when and when not to do. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, like, it's a tool. You know what? It's, it's the equivalent of drinking bardic inspiration. You should drink that responsibly, by you the way. You should drink that responsibly, but you should also know when your limit is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Gauge it. I think that's responsible. When you're drinking a candy bar stout that's 7.2, maybe you only need one. Backwoods Brewing that's Company. That's why I pre-funked. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think we'll wrap this up. It was a very constructive yeah. conversation about fudging dice and how it went a lot deeper than I thought it would. Yeah. Well, I mean, anytime that you have a topic like fudging dice and you just look at it on the surface, like it doesn't really equate to anything that we've talked about so no, far. No, but to bring in to bring in uh, personal characteristics and, and uh, accepting of failures, I think that was actually that was, that was deep. I liked it. I like the way that you show humility, John. <laughs> <laughs> you like. <laughs> 
Anyway, just remember, drink your bardic inspiration responsibly. 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 He obviously didn't. Yeah. There was some proper number 12 in there as well. Yeah. Ooh, is that a plug? So he doesn't have to go anywhere. And, uh, and me and Andy live in the fucking garbage can in the alley, so. So make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Of Dice and Brews. And remember, life's an adventure. Roll with it.